because I thought I was the only one. And thank you for just sharing that. It and just even hearing that somebody else is experiencing that helped. And you talk a lot about having community and tribe around you. And I think just in that moment, it was all everyone kind of bonding together to go, oh my gosh, thank goodness. Like I'm not the only one. I'll have what she's she's having. having. Welcome to another edition of Digital Confidence Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Tony. This is the She Talks Confidence Podcast. Once again, this week, an amazing guest, Shannon Bryant. Shannon, how are you? I'm good, Tony. How are you? Doing good. And so Shannon is also a coach. Topself.com is her new website. It was something was jealousy else. junkie. Yes. Jealousy. Yeah. Right. I love the fact that you niched into the jealousy thing because it's a concept where I think a lot of people, men and women don't understand what jealousy is or where it comes from or how to control it. And so I'm assuming that now with top self, you're integrating that in there in terms of the yeah. emotional attachment or how to figure that out. I'm still talking about jealousy, but it's a way to not just stay stuck in that insecurity. So how can we pull ourselves out of that? How can we become aware of our jealous habits? And then, okay, how else can that help in our lives? Perfect. Changed it to top self. The show is about confidence. I talk about confidence. You know, I talk about big C and little C confidence. I have all of my powerful women guests talk about what they think confidence is. I loved your little quip about what you think confidence is. And I would like to, you to share that with me and everybody else about the insecure habit thing. Mm. One way to boost your confidence, to make some changes in your life, you have to be aware of them. So being aware of the things that your habits, your insecure habits is really important. I do this with my clients in terms of let's track those. Let's see how often that's coming up in your lives because my guess is We're doing a lot more negative self-talk than we think. We are saying things out loud more than we think we are. And there are things that we are doing that's holding us back. It should be something glaring, but we have that block on where we're not seeing how that's holding us back in life. Do you have your clients do an inventory at the beginning or they talk about what the problem is and then as they talk about it, maybe you say, oh, hold on a second. And you're seeing where you might be able to initially as the coach to be able to stop them and to reframe that negative thought process that's going on. Yeah. We start with tracking those habits and it's the think, do, and say. So what are the things that I'm thinking and catching yourself? One of the big things that I think is really helpful in terms of thoughts is bringing yourself back to the now, being present in the moment. How do we do that? I'm a big acronym person, so I feel like I have acronyms for everything. But That's okay. So, it makes it easy, right? So now in a no old wondering, meaning I'm not going to wonder about the past. I'm not going to wonder what somebody meant by what they said. I'm not going to wonder how my life could have been different had these things not happened. I'm not going to wonder if I made a mistake. So anytime you go back, no old wondering. And then anytime you're anxious about the future and thinking about the future, no onward worrying. So those are the two ways for now. And so anytime either of those things pop up, that's your sign to let's come back to the present. And so how can I stay present? And a lot of times that's just Noticing that you had those thoughts and 
start observing your surroundings. Maybe it's just naming things. I see my dog. I see the desk or the legs of my desk, those types of things just to bring back to the now. They book in, right? No old wondering is the past. And then the onward worrying is the future, which is fascinating because it, what I found, and actually this is just psychological research, is most people do not live in the present. Most people no. are either off into what ifs or they're back into, oh my God, I can't believe I did that or, or they're, yeah. they're stuck in something. And that's a big hindrance, especially when it comes to confidence and it comes to expanding. And with women, and we just talked about this on your show, but with women, there's certain patterns and they did get raised a certain way. And you might have some extra guilt in there or extra shame in there, or there may be some imposter syndrome stuff in there that you're dealing with. All of that being in the past where you think that's the case and you attach that to your identity, but it Mm -hmm. isn't your identity. Have you seen examples of women come in and you start to go through this process and bring these things to light and they still just are so entrenched in these old programs? Yeah, often we see it because, and a lot of times they'll say, we get into these very black and white statements and black and white thinking. And a lot of times the women say is, well, I've never seen examples of XYZ. I've never seen a man who doesn't cheat in his relationship. I've never seen these certain things. And you really have to go back, and I call those first-degree thoughts of, let's challenge that. Because never, there's no example whatsoever (laughs) that exists. And it sounds strange, but really pushing them further on, and I say, you need to start being honest. And that's not an honest statement. That's like in grad school, I think that was in my first class on my first day, it was the absolutism or the absolute comments that are made. What that does from a coach's and a therapist standpoint, it brings up the red flag. Immediately, we know that this is a trigger and this is something that we're going to have to deal with. And interestingly enough, I find it a great thing to bring up in terms of you saying black and white, the binary thinking, the linear thinking. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, that thinking is not really based upon what they created in the past in terms of what's going to work for them client-wise. It's more based upon what was given to them or fed to them or the family they were brought up in or the situation, the scenarios that they were around that combined with maybe a lower self-esteem and no support, which is huge, that ended up being that program, that old, I call it the old movie that runs in your mind. Mm -hmm. And the movie is the one that's keeping you stuck is because every single time an opportunity comes up, then the old movie just says, ah, it's not going to work. Or "Ah, I'm not good enough. Or I I can't say anything at that meeting because I don't know the exact right answer. Whereas the guy next to you, and because- Guys are totally wired differently. He doesn't have to know the answer 100%. He'll just go, hey, how about this and this? And that's fine with him because he's not, doesn't have this perfectionist type of have to have the right answer the whole time. And that's Mm -hmm. very debilitating for women in certain circumstances. And it keeps them from moving forward. And that doesn't put you in the now, which is great. Are there any tools that you give your clients to ground them into the now? Yeah, it's a piece of that taking it a step further of when they notice that. 
So when you notice that you're swaying to one side or the other, really noticing the thoughts without judgment, and that's something that we do a lot, judge without mercy, there's that piece. So judge without mercy ourselves the most and even other people. And so just noticing, that's okay. I got off track. I started going down the past path or I started being anxious about something in the future. That's okay. I noticed it come back. And that's where kicking in that observing what's around you. And then the third part of that, which of course is another acronym, Tony, right? N-O-W. So notice, observe. (laughs) And then the third part, words of gratitude. I think it's really important because we get in that track of just this isn't right, or this isn't going well, or I'm struggling with this. I'm nervous about this. I'm fearful of this. If we can pull in some of the things that are actually good, some of the things that are positive right now in our lives, that's another way, again, that black and white thinking where it's, oh, I think everything sucks right now. If you really dig into it, have those words of gratitude, you can pull in some of those things that aren't so bad, that are actually good. Thinking about your strengths, thinking about things that you do have to offer, thinking about all of those things. Okay, let me bring those to light. And then if you want to go off on a thought tangent on those things, wonderful. Great. (laughs) Exactly. Isn't it amazing that you propose a quick gratitude exercise? Like Mm -hmm. in the morning, just think of three things that you're grateful for in your life. Two things that I've seen with my clients happen. The first one is they can't think of three things which is huge. The other thing is that they realize after they think of the three things, they realize that, oh, wow, I maybe, yeah, I do. And it immediately sets them, which is fascinating because it shows you the power of where the ego keeps you in this very small, narrow lane that has been programmed for you over the years and how hard it is to get out unless you really go through This process Mm -hmm. that we've talked about in terms of becoming more aware and understanding and using certain tools and techniques to become more aware. You're talking about this over and over again of this is how women are showing up. And I think when I look back, yes, and this is the lead in of why I do what I do. We talked about coming from a family of alcoholism. So my dad was an alcoholic. My mom, how can she be present in the moment? How can she be her best self, her top self when she's worrying about all of those things going on? And as a child, for the longest time, I thought, oh, all of my problems are really stemming from this piece where my dad's the alcoholic and he wasn't around and the abandonment issues. And again, I had to dig in and go, that's part of the story. But the other part of the story is I was watching my mom be insecure, question herself, continue to go back to someone who wasn't treating her, continue to fight hard for, she was amazing. She was such a hard worker. She was great at what she did, but having to watch her struggle and fight her way up the ladder. So seeing how my mom was, me taking that to then, okay, some of my things that I have done where I'm insecure when I'm acting in those ways. Did that circumstance with your mom and understanding at that time what the torment that she was going through and she was trying to keep things together, right? Yeah. Did you become a people pleaser to make Mm. sure that nothing happens and you're always walking on eggshells as it is, right? 
Yeah. One, I'm the middle child. And then two, yes, I would do that. We all had chores that we were supposed to do. And I would come home if my older brother, he liked to stay away, which I understand. And so if he didn't come home and do his chores, I would do his chores and my chores. And you just always are trying to make sure that everything is perfect because you feel like, oh, just one little thing that could set off the whole situation. And I know my mom was constantly doing that. And so that whole people-pleasing thing and the world revolving around the alcoholic, that is all a thing. And so, yes, you get into those habits. And then, of course, then I think my worth is based on what I do and making sure that everything is copacetic and making sure that I'm taking care of everything. And I feel like then my worth is based on that. And that's the huge dysfunctional shift that happens is the fact that you have transitioned the entire amount of your worth and your value to a contextual thing to something that you do or you don't do versus who you are. Yeah. And that's moving the carrot. Basically, I've lived a lot of that reality and being in that situation, you'll never be enough. You move the carrot to have that feeling, that self-fulfilling prophecy that they were right. That yeah. I'm, I'm not good enough to for them to get their stuff together and figure stuff out. When yeah. you transitioned out of that, got into relationships, how did that work? And then what was the final straw that you finally said, I cannot do this anymore? First of all, if you would have told me years ago that I would be helping other people overcome jealousy, I would have said, there's absolutely no way. No way because one, I thought I was the only person that had these thoughts. I thought I was the only person that was this way. And also, I just thought it was the way I was. It's just my makeup. It's just who I am. There's nothing I can do about it. My life is just always going to be painful and it's always going to be hard. That is That was my thought process. It just, I couldn't do it anymore. I had been with my husband for a very long time. It certainly was affecting our relationship. And I think it got to that point where it was like, okay, I have to fix this. This is someone who's really worth fixing it for. But also, I am miserable. I'm so miserable. I have to do something about it. And so that's when I really started this journey. I was talking to a women's ACA group, so adult children of alcoholics, Mm -hmm. just telling my story, just sharing what it was like growing up and some of the challenges that I had as an adult. And so one of the things that I mentioned that I talked about was I have always been really insecure in my relationships and extremely jealous in my relationships. Like, debilitating, like hard to have a relationship, changing even how my husband was showing up in the relationship. We Mm -hmm. started to not be able to go to dinners and movies and do anything because I would have a meltdown. And so I started talking about that. It was supposed to only be an hour talk. And when I was done and it came to the Q&A, it was like all these virtual hands went up. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying that, for talking about it, because I thought I was the only one. And thank you for just sharing that. It And just even hearing that somebody else is experiencing that helped. And you talk a lot about having community and tribe around you. And I think just in that moment, it was all everyone kind of bonding together to go, oh my gosh, thank goodness. Like, I'm not the only one. After that, I was like, okay, this is what I need to be talking about. And I started the podcast. Was there one thing that you had to reconcile? Did you like that you had to Mm -hmm. grieve through or a couple different things? And what was that process like? Because that is not an easy process when you have to confront those old fears, those old obstacles, those things that are keeping you down, the things that are you're most scared of, really. And that's the Mm -hmm. reason why you stay in a small. When you did, what were they? If you wouldn't mind sharing. And then how did you go about 
reconciling through those? My parents got divorced when I was 12, and I didn't see my dad again or speak to him until I was 25. When I was 12, I had spent the night at a friend's house finally in years. I hardly ever spent the night at a friend's house. And he had picked up my little brother and then he came to pick me up at my friend's house and he had a beer in his lap, like driving with my little brother. And I didn't realize how bold it was at the time being 12, but it just came out. And I said, I don't ever want to speak to you or see you as long as you're drinking. And he took that to heart. I didn't know that would be the case. So I didn't speak to him again until I was 25. And that was just once or twice, maybe. And then I didn't speak to him again until just this last three years of his life. He just died in September. Hmm. And so thankfully, we were able to have three years together where we were rebuilding our relationship. So with that in saying, I don't ever want to see you again, I think I just carried with me that he would not have chosen that. Like, surely he will choose his daughter over alcohol. And when he didn't, I think I just kept telling myself, if my own dad doesn't love me, then why would anybody else? Why would I be worth anyone else loving me? And so I was always then insecure in relationships because I wasn't worth, you know, someone's attention. I wasn't worth somebody being able to focus on and being super afraid that they were going to leave. So Which which is where the jealousy comes in. Yeah. So that's where the jealousy comes in. And so when I had this sort of, okay, I have to change this, I went to see several therapists. I was kicked out of therapy. Me and my husband were, I joke about that. We were asked to not come back. <laughs> oh, okay. Can you expand on that? Just because um, those are always fun stories. Yeah. Because I think I was just going into it with the mindset of just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Uh-huh. Whatever step, step one, two, and three is, I'll uh-huh. do it. And I wasn't really thinking that all of that stuff was actually affecting me and that it was what the real root issue is. Like, just give me steps one through five. I don't care what it is and I'll do them. That doesn't work at all. That is not how it works, unfortunately. That's not how it works. That would be great. And a lot of us would be out of business actually, but no, that is not how it works. No. And I would get frustrated with like, why isn't this getting any better? Why isn't this changing? And so. I was just, I guess, in a way, bullheaded, like, hey, this isn't working. Hey, I've done this thing. Or I kept, it's the same thing. I keep coming with the same problem. Are you doing, or have you thought about this? Are you doing this? No, because there's, they're not easy steps. So just give me the easy steps. And so it just got to the point where, okay, we're not getting anywhere. And you are maybe beyond my expertise, <laughs> I think. So, so yes. yeah, I think that's a really good point. Just because you want to go to a therapist and you happen to go once or twice. Yeah. It takes the right person. And it's the same thing as a relationship. You have to find the right therapist too. And mm-hmm. please don't give up if you need yeah. to go find some in- or coach or a therapist. Because sometimes if it doesn't work and if it doesn't flow, there will be one out there that that will. There will be one of us yeah. out there. So yeah. you did you finally find one that you got? I you did. I finally found one and she gave me the ACA laundry list. So the 14 characteristics of an oh. adult child of an alcoholic. And when I saw that, it was like light bulb, like life changing because I thought, wait a second, you mean there's other people that are like me? That's so bizarre. I know I didn't write this list, so there must be other people that are struggling with this. And if they wrote a list, there must be solutions. And so I just need to go find those solutions. And so that was really the change for me of just knowing that other people are experiencing it and there are 
solutions. And like you said, I think it's the most important thing because we can have setbacks, but tools, techniques, if you learn them, practice them. And if you haven't found the right person, sometimes it can either be the timing in your life or the person, right? Maybe you're not gelling with that person, or maybe you're just not ready for that piece of it. That happens a lot. The fact is they come in and they say, oh, I want this and this. But then when the, when the rubber meets the road, they end up not being able to do it. And the thing is that if you look at it from the concept of, and I won't go way into this because this is so, total nerd stuff from psychology, but there's a yeah, thing right. called the trans-theoretical model of change. And it's brilliant. And it's and the fact is that it, just because you want to change doesn't mean you can, if that makes sense. And it's a whole process, but there's four stages and you really have to be in the I have nothing. I have nothing more to give. I got nothing yeah. more to lose. I got to do something, really, because so you hit that mm-hmm. point where you have enough leverage, really, to need to do that. So, in your process of going through and finally getting to the point where you've mm-hmm. resonated with somebody, was it a long process for you? And does it continue? And what are some of the things that you do personally to reground yourself and keep you in between the nows, right? In mm-hmm. the big now and like in between the bookend nows. Yeah. Yeah. It's still a process. And I think even doing the podcast, I still, and I share that on the podcast. I just had a setback in January, a very small one on the beach in Costa Rica. But I shared that because I think it's important to say it's okay. You're going to have that happen where, you know, maybe you have a little bit of a setback and to not get upset about. And it's one thing that I told myself going into this, and I think it's really important is, This is for the long haul. This is going to take a while, but even if it takes the rest of my life, I'm still getting better and it's still going to be better than how that the previous part of my life was. Maybe it only takes me five years and I have it totally together, maybe only a year. That's still shorter than how long I've been dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And so just being really patient through it. It's always a call to action at the end of my Mm -hmm. show. And mm-hmm. is there one thing that you can share, one tool, one technique, something you have found that is something that would help anybody mm-hmm. in terms of gaining more confidence working through something? There's a self-regulation recipe, which it's going to be different for everybody. I think that's why I call it the recipe. Some of us like a little bit more salt. Some of us like a little bit more pepper. It's very similar. But I offer different things that you can maybe put in your toolbox to try, especially in these moments. And for me and for my clients, it's when they're in those jealous moments. So box breathing, we've talked about even the meditation and doing that outside of in the moment. Because for me and what I share is it's at some point, you've probably taken a CPR class, but if you haven't been doing it, and then all of a sudden there's an emergency and you need to know how, if you haven't done it, you're probably not going to do it very well. And it's practicing that mastering. So if I keep practicing, not in the moment, if I'm practicing these techniques outside of the moment. So I have to practice box breathing and I'm going to do that, not in a jealous meltdown, not when I'm feeling like, hey, this is an urgent need. I'm going to do it outside of that. And then certainly walking away techniques just to give yourself a minute because part of the problem that we do and I found myself doing is, well, now I'm into other actions that I'm going to be embarrassed about, that I'm going to feel guilty about later. If you find yourself there, that's when you walk away. You're not walking away from your problems. You're not walking away from accountability to the situation. But if it's going to cause you further guilt, that's when you walk yeah, away. The, yeah. The <laughs> second before you reach for the other gas can to throw it on the that's fire right. to make it a complete, right. utter disaster. That's such a great method and technique and an understanding that sometimes you just need space and the walking away is a pattern interrupt. It's the same thing as Mm -hmm. snapping the 
thing on your wrist. It's the it's yeah. taking action to interrupt that particular wave that's going to take you in the wrong direction. And I think that's a great thing to have in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Having that communication with your partner is very important to fill them in on what's going on. <laughs> oh, thanks, Shannon. I really appreciate it. Shannon yeah. Bryant, topself.com. Talk yeah. a little bit about the website and what you have to offer. So I do one-on-one coaching, also group coaching. So Certainly people can go on the website and they can register for either one-on-one or group coaching. They can find the podcast there. There's some free resources too. They can find all of that on topself.com. Perfect. And my, actually my website is up. The new one is up. It's either tonydufresne.com or theconfidencedoc.com. And it's got all the information in there. You can get a hold of me at tony at theconfidencedoc.com. Thanks again to Shannon. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you.